listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, Lakers fans, welcome to a new episode. Recording this on a Sunday, uh, Lakers ended up with a pretty ugly 108-91 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday. That game was in primetime. Don't forget, of course, this is a part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast fix. We are there. And also don't forget to check out silverscreenandroll.com. We got you covered for all your Lakers needs. All right, joining me today, a friend of the podcast. He also co-hosts the podcast on our network as well, Alex Regula. Alex, how's it going, my man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me on again. All right, let's jump into this first. LeBron James, if you don't know and live under a rock and are somehow a Lakers fan, LeBron James ended up passing Kobe Bryant for third all-time in the NBA scoring list. Uh, he's now 12 points ahead of Kobe, still about 30, about just just under 3,300 points behind Karl Malone for second. Uh, Alex, when you get to, uh, and here's the thing, I mean, I've seen some Lakers fans have a little bit of pushback on, on, on you know, the fact that... Um, they didn't want to see LeBron pass Kobe, which to me is crazy. It's like, uh, okay, it's not, nobody's saying he's passing him for scoring in a Laker uniform. We're saying he's passing him for scoring is just overall for his greatness in the NBA. Um, wh- what do you have to say about LeBron? Like getting a chance to watch him growing up and getting a chance to kind of cover him, um, as you have done a lot with, with Silver Screen and Roll. Uh, wh- what do you think of? Uh, what do you think this says most about LeBron? The fact that he he's in third in in all time scoring already. Yeah, like I I've watched LeBron like the moment I remember his rookie game, like his first game ever against the Kings. Like I've watched this guy his whole career kind of develop, and to see to see him beat you know kind of pass Kobe's record in a Lakers uniform and break all these records throughout his uh, career, it's been unreal. Like I think we take LeBron for granted, like his career in general, and like how consistent he's been. Like every rec, he's breaking every record. Like he's gonna have one of the best assist records, one of the best point scoring records, like rebounds records. Like he just is a machine. Like I, I think that's the biggest thing about him that's impressed me is how consistent he is, how good he, he is. And he just, uh, it kind of blows my mind every year that this guy can put up an MVP type season and can just go quietly, you know, not go disgust because he's just expected to do this every single night. In terms of him, like getting outraged from Laker fans about, breaking Kobe's record or whatever. Like, I think that'll go with anyone. I think when LeBron first signed, people were already kind of hesitant, like to welcome a new type of Kobe type player to the team. So it's not surprising that some fans and a lot of Kobe's like biggest fans are upset, but it doesn't bother me. Like I, I can appreciate LeBron for who he is and that doesn't take away from what Kobe did. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, too. I'm like, okay, for the people who are hating on LeBron, it's like, okay, first off, get a life, right? You know what I mean? Like, let, let, let's, let's, let's just wrap that up right there because, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up supporting LeBron's Cavs team. I certainly, certainly was a Heat fan, uh, but, I mean, I still love watching LeBron James play, you know what I mean, when, when he was out there. And, and for me, you know, to doing, getting to see what he's doing uh, you know, we, we should consider ourselves lucky because we don't know how often a guy like this is going to come around. And, and for me, it's like, okay, LeBron, um, you look at his rebounding and, and his uh, assists, assist stats, and, and for a guy who's that high in scoring, it's like nobody else is going to touch those. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm sure Kareem has more rebounds than, than LeBron does total in his career. But um, when you look at the fact that what he brings to the game as a whole, I, I just think that's, that, that, that's something that, that should be should be celebrated really and I don't think enough people do that and um, I think it was uh, Tanya Ganguly from the LA Times put a tweet out yesterday 
basically saying that LeBron could miss his next 3,000 field goal attempts and he'll still have a better field goal uh, percentage than Kobe. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, Kobe did take a ton of... Di- Again, they, they played in different eras. Like, it's it was a different game when Kobe played and LeBron kind of has has never really been a huge mid-range heavy guy like Kobe has. And Kobe's had to... Kobe, he's known for taking these really long contested twos over double teams and stuff like that. So it makes sense. But like I said, I think, like you mentioned, like even if you weren't a LeBron fan growing up and you were a Lakers fan and a Kobe fan, I think you still there's a respect level still there. And you could respect someone else without having to kind of push aside your heroes and kind of guys you rooted for when you are growing up. So, so I just hope Laker fans and fans in general just could respect LeBron's game and and not take this for granted because we don't know how much longer he's going to be here and how much longer until another guy like him shows up. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and, you know, there's no point in sitting here trying trying to bash the guy and trying to put him down. Like it's for me, it's been great. And how he's bounced back this season specifically after, after last year's kind of debacle. And I I think his injury had a lot to do with it, but um, when you see what he's doing this year at, at, you know, at, at at 36 years old, uh, you know, and and just being able to um, just kind of carry, carry the team on his back because you see the difference, man, when he's on the court compared to when he isn't, or pardon me, 35 years old, but, but when he's, when he's on the court compared to when he isn't, uh, man, how, how much of a drop-off do you see? I mean, you're, you're great with analytics and great at numbers and stuff. What, what is the data showing you? How bad are the Lakers offensively without LeBron James on the floor compared to with him on? It's, it's both sides of the floor. Like it, overall, just like simple, just net rating. Like they're, there's, if LeBron sits, they're really bad. And, uh, I mean, that's obvious just looking at the roster. Who else is on the team can create like him? Who else on the team could draw that type of attention? Like, he's the only elite-type playmaker who's currently on the roster. And I, that, that shows up in the data and on, you know, just simple eye test. When he sits and no one else can really create for their own, like, their own basket or for others, it's a problem this team has run into a lot this year, especially in these losses. Like, a lot of the times was when, you know, when LeBron is having a quiet night or he's getting the ball taken out of his hands, no one else can really make a play. They all kind of depend on him to to create for them and to get them easy looks. So, again, like, it just speaks to how good he's been this year in terms of his playmaking. Like, he leads the league in assists at the rim overall, like, corner threes everywhere. Like, he's creating at, it like, an elite, elite level. So, yeah, they that's something they're probably going to need to address at the deadline. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I want to. That's perfect timing. Thanks for taking over the hosting duties and segueing into my next subject. Is how how bad uh, do the Lakers look um, in terms of their scoring depth? And and this really caught my eye in, in that loss to Philly. Was you know there was a point that the Lakers were were they were getting pumped. They were down 22, and then they just kept kind of scratching and clawing and coming back. And then they got it down to five in, in the fourth quarter. And I'm thinking. Okay, if they win this game, this would totally be one of those that they had no business trying to walk away with the victory, but they somehow pulled it out, which, which championship teams do throughout the course of the season. And, you know, you had Anthony Davis with 31 points. LeBron James finished with 29. So they combined for 60. And then I was looking at it. I'm like, the bench guys, nobody could deliver when it, when it counted. Nobody came up with a big shot yesterday. KCP did hit a couple, uh, hit that one big three to get the team, you know, right there and, and, and have a shot at maybe pulling out a win, but there's no, the problem with the Lakers bench to me is you have, obviously you have AD and LeBron, and then you have a bunch of other guys who aren't 
capable of consistently giving you 15, 16 points a night, right? Like you're going to have, you're hoping one of them does, whether that's Kyle Kuzma, whether that's uh, KCP, whether that's Danny Green, you're hoping one of them is able to go off for 15, 16 points and, uh, and, and kind of give you that, that secondary depth. But when you're looking at this team and you're looking at the roster, where, where is the one position they desperately do need to upgrade? Because of the trade deadline coming up on uh, February 6th. Yeah, I, I, it's tough because I, I go back and forth on it. Like, I really do think they need an additional creator like we just talked about. But I also think they need a bigger wing, like a defender who could guard these bigger uh, perimeter players on the opposing guys have, like a Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we saw with Tobias Harris last night who was able to pop off. Like, the Lakers struggle in guarding these types of players. And I really think in a playoff series, that's that might come back and bite them. So I think they need both, honestly. Like, I think it's like a 50-50, like, toss-up for me right now in terms of getting another guy who could consistently make plays for others and score like off the dribble and just score in general because like you said every other night we don't know what Danny Green's going to give us he can go over four you know four for six from three and then Kuzma he's been inconsistent all year and I, I know there's a lot of different reasons why he's been inconsistent but at the end of the day he's he hasn't kind of been that third guy that everybody thought he was going to be and I wonder when the deadline does come around if if they, they make a move and trade coups or not, but I don't know. What, where are you at? Do you think they need another creator or a wing defender or something else? Well, it's, it's funny. You know, you, you, were, you were doing the, you were giving kind of your analysis there, and, and I was like, damn, I, I agree with you. I almost think it's like a 50 50 thing. Like they need, if, and here's a good part, right? Because uh, Quinn Cook and Troy Daniels, they're expendable. You know, whatever, you could figure out a way to get rid of those contracts or, or you know, waive them, whatever it is to create a roster spot. And, um, you know, I think that if you if you get a Darren Collison, and, he, and here's the thing, I think some people are being irrational when it comes to Collison. Like, they're going to be like, oh, he's going to come in. It's like, dude, he's not going to come in and be Lou Williams. You know what I'm saying? I think he's going to come in, and, and if he could deliver you seven, eight points a night, be a consistent threat from, from three-point line, and, and, and create offense. And I think that's, that's what the big thing that they, they need. Um, I think that helps in the sense that obviously you're not giving anything up off a 36-10 and 10 roster, you know, as is right now. But I also think if they bring in another ball, like a creator and a ball control guy, I think that'll help Kuzma get going. Because uh, what you're seeing from Rondo is, Rondo is like kind of an old school point guard, right? He needs the ball in his hand. Yes. He almost wants to, wants to see things develop first uh, while he's setting the table, making sure that, you know, uh, guys are in the right place. Whereas in, in today's game, you need somebody who's going to get the ball in their hand, get the ball up the court push the pace and, and read the play, right? It's almost like a read and react offense now more than it is we're having set, you know, a, a total set motion that we're going through. And I think that's where, that's where a guy like Collison would come in. And I also think, yeah, you're right. They need a wing commander. Uh, Danny Green got abused last night by, by, uh, by uh, Ben Simmons. I mean, it was, it, it was domination. Danny Green looked so small playing next to him. Uh, also saw KCP get lit up. Kyle Kuzma was a turnstile in defense. We'll jump into that a little bit later on in the episode. But um, when I'm talking about defensively, I think a guy like Collison will help. But I'm also, and I'll ask you this, like I'm also of the, of the belief that if you get the right deal right now to, to get rid of Kuzma, again, depending on the salaries, because we know Kuzma makes about 1.9 and it's going to be hard to get equal value at that unless they can get creative with the salary stuff. Uh, do you think Kyle Kuzma is going to be a Laker after February the 6th? Ah, oh, That's a tough question. Like... Um... I mean, he's definitely not helping himself, right? Like, uh, this was kind of his chance these past few weeks to kind of, be, and leading up to the deadline, to prove that, you know, I can be that third guy. I can be the guy who takes on 
that scoring, you know, punch when, when LeBron and AD don't have it or go to the bench and even show that he could defend these guys like at a consistent level. And I think he's done, he's had flashes of being able to do that. But again, like this team has a really tight window and they want to win a championship this year. And he's kind of not fitting their timeline or he's not really living up to what they need him to be. So I think if the right deal comes along, I, I think they do it. I just don't know. I think there's a lot of uh, factors that go into play with trading Kuzma. He's the last young guy. He's really their only asset because they've traded a lot of their draft picks. They don't really have any other young players or prospects. So if you're going to trade Kuzma, this is like, you have to be sure this guy coming back is going to be able to put you over the top because if it's not, you're really strapped for trade assets going forward and to improve this team in the summer or even going after that. So I, I think if the right player comes along, like um, I've been looking at maybe like Robert Covington, I think he fills a few holes there. He's a good three-point shooter to defend other strong wings. He's a really good defender. So he definitely fills a few spots there and you can aggregate enough contracts to, to get to that salary. Um, but I don't know, like I would, again, like I don't, I know it's 50-50 is not, the best answer here but i think as we get closer i'm kind of leaning to the to saying yeah they might trade him but um i wouldn't be surprised if, if he's here what about you so alex are you are you a lawyer in your other life because that was a great way of not answering the question directly <laughs> but that's okay that's okay you gave it you gave a politically it's tough answer. it's really <laughs> tough with kuzma no i i get what you're saying you know uh, i i would love a guy like robert covington uh, i i think he does i think he, he covers up a lot he's capable of going off any night for for 20 points and he brings uh, you know, tenacious defense and something that we know Kuzma is not capable of doing. But um, again, yeah, you're looking at $11 million salary for, for Covington. I don't know what you're going to have that the Wolves would probably want on the Lakers roster because at this point, it'll just be scraps, right? I mean, you can't trade the first round pick this year because you can't trade them in back-to-back seasons. And we know they've given away a ton uh, for the Anthony Davis deal. So I, you know what? I, I think that if there's a way you could Keep him. And again, I think this is where Rob Polinka is going to have to be creative right now. I mean, he did kind of create this roster. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because, again, they're 36 and 10 and, and first in the West. And, and I think people don't understand that. I'm not looking at this team for what it does in the regular season. I, I don't care if they finish 65 and 17 or 64 and 18 and then lose in the conference finals. It's like, no, you want them to be a championship bona fide. Like they already are a bona fide championship contender, but you want them to maximize that. And for me, I, I think what you're seeing from the bench. It's just too damn inconsistent. You know what I mean? There, you, don't, you don't know what you're going to get on any given night. And those nights that you do get 15 from Kuzma or 20 from Kuzma, or you get a 10 assist, 10 point uh, game from uh, Rondo, or you get KCP scoring 14 or 16, the Lakers usually end up rolling. And then they, they end up beating teams easily. It's that when you're playing these upper echelon teams, um, and I don't, I, don't, I don't know if the Sixers are truly an upper echelon team, but they're a playoff team. And, and I think that's where we've seen the Lakers struggles. I want to jump into some of that stuff in terms of the defense and also about some of the, uh, some of the, the upcoming matchups that we're going to see, especially the, the big game against the Clippers. We'll do that after this short break. All right, and we are back. Uh, before the break, Alex, we were, we were talking a little bit about the, the defensive struggles, and especially from, from the bench guys. So, man, that game against the Sixers, Ben Simmons, 12 of 15 from the field. This dude can't hit a jump shot if his life depended on it. What the hell were the Lakers doing? I don't understand. This is the first time I was watching, and I didn't like their, their defensive scheme because it was basically uh, Ben Simmons off the top, literally blowing right by Danny Green, blowing right by KCP. Uh, they put Anthony Davis on him towards the end. Uh, you know, once they got back in, I don't think that really helped at that point because the game was was pretty much all starting to get uh, starting to get wrapped up. But um, 
is that something you're concerned with from Frank Vogel, or is it just like, hey, this was just a one-off bad coaching performance in terms of the defensive side of the ball because they were getting killed off the penetration and the Sixers played it played it actually quite slow yesterday. And I was thinking while I was watching the game, I was like, is this maybe a blueprint on how you could try and minimize the Lakers' um, you know effectiveness because uh, the Sixers scored eight fast break points. They were slowing the game down. They were they were taking it into the half court. Um, the Lakers couldn't really have, oh, JaVale didn't play, obviously, because he was still sick, but, uh, you know, they were, they were pulling Dwight. Dwight Howard just didn't have any business on the court because there's nobody he could guard because Al Horford can stretch the floor as well when he's out there as a big man. And they were just basically picking him apart. And Kyle Kuzma, we were talking about him offensively being inconsistent. He got beat like he was a stepchild in a couple of those games, a couple of those things yeah. yesterday with Tobias Harris. Um, when you're looking at that, how much does, does the wing defense concern you? Yeah, I think... Like, as you were saying, you hit a lot of uh, good points there that, yeah, I think last night and just games in general against these really good elite teams have kind of shown a blueprint, like a blueprint, like you said, of how maybe to beat the Lakers. Like, if you have your perimeter guys who can kind of stretch the floor, or if you have these kind of big, imposing perimeter creators like a Ben Simmons, like a Kawhi Leonard, those types of players, the Lakers, for as big as they are, like, and strong has, you know, I've written, written about this a lot and how, you know, huge this team is. On the wing, they're not that opposing. Like, Danny Green, as good of a defender he is, he's not, a like, an insanely strong guy. Like, you can get past them. You can bully him a bit. Kuzma's never been a, a great defender, although he's kind of improved. Like, if you put if you put guys like KCP and Green and Kuz on guys like Kawhi Leonard and, and Simmons or whoever in the playoffs, I'm not sure how confident I am that those guys can get it done. And I think that's something this team it's becoming more apparent every game against these really elite teams that's it's a weakness like we saw that against boston boston has like two or three just really good wings and they kind of tore the lakers up so i I, that's why i go back and forth in terms of what this roster needs like as of today i'm not sure how confident i am in the playoffs that they'll be able to beat teams with the roster as currently constructed because we've seen it time after time like against these really good teams that they've kind of not lived up to how good as they've shown to be in other games and have flaws on this roster I think like you said this team is regular season I'm not really concerned about like they can win 60 something games and I'll be great but when it comes to the playoffs and I'm just I don't know like I I think they can get uh, exposed a bit what about you? You see, I, I'm with you on that. And anytime I've said that people end up getting pissy with me and say oh you know what are you talking about blah 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 I'm like I listen the Lakers are probably going to finish one, two, or three in the West, right? I don't, I don't think that's, that's a stretch, and I think they're, they're in the driver's seat. They're, they have a three-and-a-half-game lead on Utah as of right now, uh, four games up on the, on the Clippers, although the Clippers are playing Orlando uh, on Sunday night. But when, when you're looking at this, like, okay, you're going to get a first-round matchup, maybe against a team like OKC, maybe a Memphis, whoever sneaks into that eight spot. It's just way too, way too close to call right now, but um, they'll be fine. And then I think that if they played a team like, Houston in the second round. I don't think the Rockets can can compete with them. I, I think that the Mavs would give them some fits in terms of it might go six games, and, and but I do think the Lakers are better than them. And then you look at it like, okay, you're going to get into it with Utah, LA, the the Clippers, or or the Nuggets. And, and for me, when I'm looking at when I'm looking at at those matchups, that's where I get concerned because you look at it, and, and I, I've always went back to this. I'm I don't I'm not saying the Clippers are currently better than the Lakers. I think in a seven-game series, if you have Lou Williams outscoring four guys who come off the bench for the, for the Lakers three times in a series, that's lights out. 
You're not yeah. gonna, you're not you're not gonna be able to beat them. And although if it came down to a game seven, am I, am I putting my money on any team that has LeBron James and Anthony Davis playing playing most of the minutes? Of course I would. I think though that's the best duo in the NBA. But the problem is is how, where are you going to get the support from throughout a seven game series? And you know we're we're looking back at Kyle Kuzma like four points in the loss, just invisible yesterday. Didn't do anything of, of value in terms of offensively or defensively. Um, Jared Dudley, you can have him out there. He's not going to kill you. He's also not going to win you any games. And then you don't know what the hell you're going to get offensively from Rondo, Alex Caruso, uh, these guys. So I, I think it's imperative that Rob Plinka gets creative to, to figure out, like, we, and like we've talked about a lot today, is, is, is the, the offensive side. You need somebody who can create. And you also need somebody who's able to actually defend those guys. And obviously the perfect person out there is Andrea Godala. Like, I don't, I don't know in terms of Iguodala. Like, it sounds like he's getting traded. Like, I don't think at yeah. this stage, I don't think Memphis or their management or their GM or front office people, they're not just going to buy him out to do him a favor. Like, they, they're going to get an asset for him. I'm not sure who, to like which team, or I don't think the Lakers, I mean, they don't have this, the salary cap to, to take him on. So the only way they can add him is through a buyout or situation. So I don't, like, I'm not really holding out hope for Iguodala anymore. I think that ship's kind of sailed. Like, I don't think he gets bought out. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to have to add something via trade. Or maybe other guys get buy, bought out Like we that we don't know yet Like as we get closer to that, that time period. But I want to go back to something you said about the Clippers because, um, yeah, I, would, I don't know if I would say that they're like an overwhelming better team than the Lakers. But I think the big issue with the Clippers is I think their biggest strengths kind of go right against the Lakers' biggest weaknesses. Like, they have... Yeah these two fantastic wings like Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, like we can love them or hate them, but that they're a handful. And again, the Lakers have shown time after time, they really can't stop guys like that. And then, like you said, with Lou Williams, that's a, again, another six man who can outscore the Lakers bench probably by himself in a playoff series. So that's something I think the Lakers, as they head into Tuesday with this matchup against the Clippers, I just hope they can win. Like I know it's another regular season game, and I, at the end, the grand scheme of things, like just one game in '82, it's not a big deal. But to go 0 and 3 against the Clippers, like that, it's probably not great for your uh, morale. I think. Yeah, that's what I was gonna I was gonna bring up too. Is is um, yeah, do you think? I mean, again, it's it's a regular season game at the at the end of January that you know means something in the standings. Big picture, eh, doesn't really mean anything at all. But how important is it that the Lakers show that they can beat these guys because? The Clippers have, I mean, I, I thought the Christmas Day game that the Lakers should have won. I think L.A. kind of came back, L.A., the Clippers, came back and stole that one late just with some, you know, better, making a little bit more better plays down the stretch. But, you know, when you're looking at this, uh, the Lakers got to be thinking at some point, if you lose this one and you lose it handily, they got to be thinking in their head like, damn, that that is a tough matchup for us. I mean, yeah, I mean, just look at the last two teams they've played that are considered elite they got smacked by philadelphia they got smacked by milwaukee even though they came back you know in both to kind of make it close like i'm not sure the score actually proves like how good they were in that game like they got pretty manhandled in both those games and i don't i don't think they've really beaten a team like like they haven't beaten the clippers um milwaukee philadelphia and a few others of like we consider elite this year and i think that's something that they're aware of for sure. Like if we're all, if we all know it and we all question it, I know in the locker room, they probably also want to prove like, Hey, we can beat one of these teams. And I think it's important. Like, again, just for their morale and their mindset going into the playoffs to say, Hey, we've beaten this team before. We know we can beat them. But if you go into the playoffs in a matchup and you've lost four already to them, 
Like, I don't think that's great. And I think that's something. And then the Clippers, that'll just help boost their confidence even more and give them no doubt that, hey, we've already beat this team, like, a ton. Like, they're, like, Patrick Beverly can talk as much trash as he wants because, like, what do the Lakers do? They just lose to them. So I think they need to win this. <laughs> who's, the, who's the wrestling equivalent of Pat Beverly? Uh, it'd probably be, like, a manager. Like, so maybe, uh, I, I don't want to say Ric Flair because Ric Flair is actually good. <laughs> so okay, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, oh, maybe like Jimmy school? Hart. I was gonna say Jimmy Hart, Bobby Heenan, one of those two, because Bobby yeah. Heenan was great too at irritating people. You know what I mean? He had some of the greatest one-liners of, of all time when when he was still around. But yeah, I, I would say the manager is a, is, a, is a good equivalent for for Pat Beverly, right? But that's that's the thing. I think the Lakers are missing like a Pat Beverly on this roster in terms of like just toughness. I think that's it goes back to everything we talked about in this episode. I think. They're huge. Like, again, it's one of the biggest teams I've ever covered or watched. Like, you have a ton of just huge athletic guys, but I wouldn't say they're overly tough guys. Like, they wouldn't... I don't think they scare you physically, is what I mean. Like, I don't... There's not pests on this team like a Patrick Beverly, like a Kawhi Leonard, like a Paul George who can get under your skin and can just... I don't know, just in a playoff series, that that matters, that type of toughness, because everything's in the half court, everything is per possession, and at the end of the game, like as much as the analytics say what are good shots or what are good players, a lot of it just comes down to wanting it more. And I think the Clippers have shown they've kind of wanted it more so far in, in their series with the Lakers. And I hope the Lakers show some of that toughness against them on Tuesday. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting you point that out because you, you look at the roster as constructed. You see, okay, Avery Bradley was a guy who used to play with, with a chip on his shoulder, especially when he was in Boston. You know what I mean? And he, he would get after it and, and get in the opponent's face. Uh, I think Rondo has been known for that. Obviously, just not capable of doing it anymore. I yeah. think just his body's broken down, and and he just hasn't aged very well. Although we will see playoff Rondo probably come out at least two or three more times in the regular season, and then people will say, "See, look how good Rajon Rondo is." It's like, yeah, dude, did you miss the ten games in between that he stank? So, uh, and then you got then you got uh, Jared Dudley is is a guy who I think is capable of it. You're just yeah. not going to have Jared Dudley on the court for twenty twenty five minutes a night because that that means your team's not going to win. So. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting that, that that you do mention that because they're not the Lakers aren't really cocky. They're not really loud. They're they're obviously a veteran group, but you would like to see a little bit more of that. You know what I mean? Because I, I think that adds an element, and and not only guys around you. I think it if you're doing it at home, the crowd gets more into it. They're just these little things that work with having a bit of an edge. And I agree with you. I don't think the Lakers have an edge in terms of that physicalness and that cockiness, which again, isn't going to, I don't think it's going to be the difference between a championship or not. It's just something that we're saying we'd like to see, right? Uh, yeah. Just at least like one or two of your rotation guys. I'm not saying it has to be your star player or just a team full of them. Like just going back to like recent championships, like they've had a guy like Matt Barnes, a guy like, you know, Meta, or even going back to like Rick Fox, like it's they had they've had these guys. Even going back to like the Showtime era, they've ha- they've always had at least one or two of their role players, kind of be able to do the dirty work, and at, also at the same time actually can play. Like you said, Rondo is kind of past his prime. Bradley, I think Bradley's just too small, honestly. Like I think he's very tough, like on ball defender. But we've seen like a lot of these guys in the NBA are like six eight to six ten, like just full of them. And for as good as Avery Bradley is, like. At the end of the day, that size is just going to come up on top. On top, I think. So, I again, I would love to see them add like one guy. Like, I think Carlson's a tough, tough guy. Like, yeah, I think like that'd be yeah. great. But again, like you said, I, I don't. I think fans are kind of overestimating how 
prepared and how ready he'll be to contribute on this team. He hasn't played all season. Like we don't know if he's stayed in shape or if he's ready to come in right away and play. So again, they're kind of strapped to make trades and I don't know how the buyout market's going to shake out, but I would love to see them add to this roster. And like you said, at the end of the day, I think they're going to get to the conference finals, no matter what. Like I, I think they're going to beat either Memphis or San Antonio, whoever it is. And I'm not really worried about Houston. Like I, I think, I really like their game plan against Houston. So I think Frank Vogel definitely has the chops to, to put out a good game plan out there, but it may just come down to who he has on his roster, who you can deploy against these, these upper echelon teams. Yeah. I think it's almost a, I think it's a, I do think it's an advantage for Frank Vogel in certain sense that, and he's been, he's been very good at this and I, and I will give him credit. He's been very good at reading the game and going with who is playing well. You know what I mean? He hasn't been mm-hmm. so stuck on... Like, you know you're going to have Anthony Davis and LeBron James out there at the end of end of most games. But for the rest of it, the rest of the three spots, he's just kind of been like, yeah, I like the way this guy's rolling tonight. Or, um, you know, player X is, is bringing it on the offensive end, so I'm going to leave him out there today in a, in a close one. Uh, but I also think it's detrimental because you have this weird mishmash of guys on your bench that don't really have specific skill sets other than maybe like a guy like Troy Daniels and, and, and Danny Green, who's a starter, where you're like, those guys are three-point shooters, and then you have guys who are defenders, but there's no real rhyme or reason for why this team is constructed the way it is. You know what I mean? And it's it's funny for me to see people end up getting upset and people end up getting frustrated with some guys in the roster. You're like, but dude, this is who they are. You know, you, none of these guys are going to turn into a 15-point-a-game guy, although we were hoping that for Kuzma. But you're not really seeing that on on a consistent basis from him. And I think that's where for Frank Vogel, he's going to have to get creative to mask some of that as they get deeper in the playoffs. Because like I said, if you're you're sitting there and, and trying to play the Clippers in a seven-game series and Lou Williams scores 20 to 25, and this is assuming all things being equal between the Clippers' big two and the Lakers' big two, the Clippers are going to win that series easily. Yeah, it's just simple math at the end of the game. Like if Lou Williams scores 25 and like you said, everything else is equal between the stars, like that the Clippers are going to come out on top every every time. They also have Montrezl Harrell, who's just a double-double machine. Like, they yeah. have guys you can count on. And the Lakers, like, I outside of LeBron and AD, and even those guys sometimes in these big, big-time games, like, they haven't showed up yet sometimes in the in the regular season. But they have guys that you, could, you know they're going to put up their numbers. And that's a big strength I think the Clippers have over the Lakers as of now. I'm not saying that that will change or not, but... I think the Lakers know where their weaknesses are. I think Rob Plinken knows it. I think we're all aware of it. So it's just a matter of he, if he can address that come the deadline. And Really, the only way they can do that is by trading Kuzma. So it's going to be exciting for sure to see what they do. Again, you know what, Alex? You're, you're, you're great at answering and you're great at hosting too. So you already, you already brought up my final question of the podcast is, do you think the Lakers make a move before February 6th or, or let's just say even after in the buyout? And if there was one player... One player you think that was going to end up on the Lakers roster that's available via trade or via buyout or via being a free agent like Darren Collison, who do you think it is? So I'd, I'd bank on Collison. I, I would say Collison's most likely just because they don't have to give anything up. Like they, they don't need to worry about salary cap stuff. They can just sign them out, right? So I think Collison, um, and I think that'd be a great get for them. Again, it's just a free point guard who was, who's been consistently pretty good like the last few years and kind of does fill some of the weaknesses he can run the pick and roll he's a good three-point shooter he can make his open threes that's always a good thing on this team and I think it's a pretty solid defender as well so I think that's a good get um I I I know they're still looking for wings they have they have to be looking for a wing after watching 
some of their losses lately. So again, like I like Covington a lot. I, I think that's a name that I've kind of gravitated to in, in terms of filling the weaknesses on the team. And he doesn't make too much money where it's impossible to get close to that number. So that'd be he'd be on my wish list, and I think Collison's probably my uh, the guy I'm most confident that they sign. What about you? Uh, I, I I would say you know I do think they're going to make a trade. I, I don't know who they're going to get, and it might just be a minor one where they think a change of scenery will will help this guy. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think Collison makes the most sense because you're not you're not screwing with a roster that's sitting at 36 and 10 at this point of the season. Um, and, and like you mentioned, he, he does mask a lot of what the team needs in terms of being a creator and having the toughness. Again, you are going to worry, though, about a guy who's been sitting on his butt not playing basketball yeah. for that long. But at this point, that that's kind of that kind of has to be the, the gamble that they take, right? Yeah, they have to. And the only other concern I have with Collison, um, or not concern, just question mark, is how that shakes up the point guard rotation. Because we know Vogel, at least outwardly, he likes Rondo and he plays Rondo a lot. Um is Rondo comfortable taking a backseat to, you know, Collison? Will he cause any kind of like stir in the locker room? Or we, we've seen Rondo before kind of not quit on teams, but just he can get upset and kind of have that uh, come out in his play. And we don't want any kind of disruption on this team or anything like that. So if Collison does come, like, what does that mean for Caruso? What does that mean for Cook or Daniels? I, I mean, I think a lot of guys will have to take back seats even more than they already have so that's the only other question mark i have with collison yeah i see i think I, I think caruso's role is set on the team because what he brings off the bench in terms of defensively and he had six deals you know he was a big big reason why yeah. they were able to make a comeback against the sixers and turn it into a game there uh, although he didn't do much offensively defensively he was great so i think he's kind of cemented himself as a rotation guy yeah you're right i think i could see rondo being a total prick about it and 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 having this this you know terrible attitude and, and uh, not wanting to play. I can also see him embracing it and saying, hey, I'm going to take on more of that leadership assistant coach role. I think that's just something we're going to have to wait uh, to see to figure out. Alex, it's always fun having you on, man. I love talking Lakers with you and always slipping in an obscure wrestling reference like we did today. <laughs> uh, appreciate your time, and, and thanks again for doing this, man. Thanks, man, as always. And Royal Rumble tonight, so make sure you watch that too. I'll be, I'll be checking it out. I, I still have a <laughs> subscription to the WWE Network, even though I barely watch it, but I, I will check out the Royal Rumble today. All right, man, awesome, have a good day. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, that's Alex Regula. You can catch him on Twitter at Alex M. Regula, R-E-G-L-A. Uh, does a lot of great writing as well. If you are looking for a writer, um, make sure you try and get a hold of him because he is great at what he does. Don't forget as well to subscribe to our podcast network, the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. We are on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it. We are there. And, of course, we appreciate the five-star ratings. I'm sure our boss here is the fact that I plugged that. That does it for this episode. 